wouldn't push them out of the country and expect to be proud of them when they, when they become the Elon Musks and other big people, mm. the Sharon, uh, you know, the actors out there. We must build them here so that when they leave, they go out there with a positive image of South Africa. But we need leadership for that. We, we don't have a leader. We haven't had a leader like Mandela. No matter, mm. no matter what we think about Mandela, Mandela knew how to lead a diverse country. We've never had a leader who knows how to lead a diverse country. Hi everyone, I'm Petrus and welcome to Worldview. Worldview is a podcast where we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. If you've watched any of our content so far and liked it, please consider liking this video, subscribing and turning on Patreon. Today we're talking with Soli Moheng. Soli has more than 20 years of experience in brand reputation management, including brand strategy development and management, as well as strategic communications. He successfully delivered projects for a number of international and South African brands. Soli, welcome to the show. Hi, Petros. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So we've had we've had a lot of um, you know experts talking about a number of different um, you know political parties or topics and things that we'll actually discuss later on today. But you have a unique um, perspective on brand reputation and brand strategy management specifically. So just to start that off with, I would just like to know you know what 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 do you consider to be the good qualities of a brand? Well, I think uh, every brand has to has to have four important things in my view. The one it it must have a vision. In, in other words, they must know where whoever manages the brand must know where they're taking the, the brand. It must have a set of values. Uh, if it's a country brand, it must have a constitution, of course, that's clear. It must have leadership. And, and when, I mean, when I say leadership, I'm saying there are qualities that come with being a leader. You know, not just anybody with a qualification can be a leader. You need to, to, to be ethically grounded. You, you need to lead the, the values from the front. You need to be, to be balanced. You need to be armed with high levels of emotional intelligence. And, you know, um, if you come here there with too much unresolved anger issues into any leadership uh, position or you have ego issues or, or, or self-esteem issues, you'll never be the right leader that's needed. And the fourth thing that is needed is um, a sense of um, a 360-degree view of what's going on inside and outside the brand because no brand exists on an island of its own. So you have to the values, you need leadership, you need vision, but you need to know what's going on around you because whatever decisions you make as a brand will almost be impacted upon or impact upon others existing in the same area or in the same, because all brands are part of an ecosystem, as it were. And if one part of this ecosystem begins to malfunction, the rest of the sections get um, affected by that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of brands, uh, especially in, in, in marketing environments, they actually react to what the other brands do. So they have to look at the environment in which they exist and able to react correctly so that their brand grows in popularity and so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, we have, a, we have a lot of experience of people that, you know, build brands and manage brands. It's usually like the CEOs or the people on the front line. Um, you know, as a brand expert, um, would you, could you give us some example of some good brands, uh, you know, maybe like inspirational reader, uh, leaders rather, uh, that have created good brands? Well, I mean, there are many different kinds of brands. You have individual or person brands, you have country brands, you have corporate brands. Uh, uh, there are quite a number. I mean, South Africa during Mandela was a good country brand, in my view. It was led by somebody 
who knew where he wanted to go and who, he was very clear about that. He was also very clear about what was acceptable and what was not acceptable. A lot of people from around the world, you know, politicians, sports people, actors and actresses and, you know, uh, all sorts of people came here to South Africa to, because they were drawn by the leader who was still in this country. Many people forget that Richard Bronson came to South Africa and started the Virgin Active brand to build, you know, in South Africa because of having been invited by Mandela. And we've never seen other leaders after Mandela being as attractive as he was. Um, I mean, you also, I'll, I'll, uh, the, the, the leader, the, the founder of the Discovery brand, Discovery Health brand, um, which, is, which is named Score. He also is a strong leader. People who work for him uh, say good things about him. They're proud to work under him. He's values-driven. He knows where he's taking the brand. But he also knows that his brand will not be go to where he wants it to go without the community of employees and supporters. And of course, all brands can be criticized. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think it's it's values-driven. Willis has also been one of those brands uh, that have been led on on, those, on a set of values um, and again, you know, it doesn't mean that brands cannot be criticized. No brands will satisfy all of the people all of the time. But I think the, the fact that this leadership that says this is where we're going and this is what is, what is acceptable, this is not what what is not this is what is not acceptable, and this is what we do. Is this is important? This is mm -hmm. what we do when this, the stuff that's unacceptable happens. There's got to be consequences. If there are no consequences for for wrong for wrongdoing, then the brand get lost. And I mean, the consequences in some cases are quite severe. We'll talk about some scenarios where brands, you know, manage the situation very poorly and that, you know, almost destroy the material degree. But I quickly just want to double back to something that you mentioned that was really interesting to me. You said that there's different types of brands. There's the individual brand, there's corporate brands, there's country brands and so on and so forth. I mean, you have brand leaders, for example, like um, Steve Jobs, um, okay. that was phenomenal in creating this image of Apple, um, Apple technologies and, that, and, and their devices. Um, but the man himself also had a reputation in terms of somebody that you know demanded a certain type of quality and might have been very difficult to work with um right. just you know as a personal interest to add on question that i had myself how does one reconcile that the image between somebody who is so synonymous with their corporate brand but also has an individual brand well i think uh, when you have a very strong personal brand you may in any case as a leader wherever you are you need to be aware of the impact of your actions and your words on the people and around you a lot of people, leaders fail to do to realize that when you're a leader, it means that people are looking up at you. No matter how friendly and accessible you are, you're the leader. You're the person who can decide whether someone gets a job or they get a promotion or if it's in a business. So it's important to be aware of that. If you're not aware of your own impact on the around on the people and the, you know whatever exists around you, then you are likely to make mistakes or to say things that are hurtful that that might damage your your your, your brand. I mean when. A number of years ago, years ago, when the CEO of Shell uh, came out after the spill, you know that happened in South America, I think somewhere he he came in. One of the first things he said was, "I I need my life back," and he famously said, "I want my life back. I'm tired of this." He well, fortunately, they got rid of him after that. So I think it's important to to distinguish first of all to understand the power of your own brand, and and then and to know how to separate your brand from the corporate brand that you work with. But it's important also to realize that people are watching you as a brand. And, and, and whatever you say, you need to be very clear whether whether it's going to impact on the other brand that's associated or other brands that are associated with you or not. And a lot mm -hmm. of people fail to to appreciate the association between their person brand 
and the corporate or, or product or service brand that they, that, that they are associated with. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. It's it's an extra thing I wanted to know myself. We didn't necessarily plan that. Um, to focus a bit more on political brands, because it's something that, frankly, is almost you know people have a choice on whether they care about a company or not. But in political scenarios, it's almost in fact uh, impacting the whole country. So in this regard. You know, there's a lot of questions about the different political parties we have in South Africa. So, what perhaps do you think is is wrong with um, the DA, the Democratic Alliance's brand? And like, what what advice would you give them to improve their electoral performance? I think uh, you know the DA is such a sad brand in a way because it has got some good people or some good intentions, you know, and they do many things well. Uh, I mean, we don't have here, for instance, about corruption. The kind of corruption we hear about in other parts of the of the country, and so in in the Western Cape, and where they have a good premier, Alan Winder, who is responsive, who is accessible, who speaks well, who's very clear about what he wants, where he's going. Uh, but but they also have the Zilla factor, and and this is not about Helen Zilla being a bad person. It's about how she's perceived. You know, I don't think that Helen Zilla is a bad person personally. But I think that she's very strong-willed. She is very. She believes in freedom of expression. She says what she thinks needs to be said, and I think she should be protected in that. But the, but she doesn't seem to care about the impact of her words on the world around her. And so there's a balance to be kept. I don't think she should be shut up. I don't think so. But uh, now you have a new leader in the in the DA, Estienne Hazen, who I think is a good South African who also means well. I don't think that he's racist, but he has a view or an experience of Helen Zilla that many people in South Africa don't have. So he has to balance his respect for Helen Zilla and the, the suspicion outside of the DA that she's probably remote controlling him, that he's not an independent person, that he's not really the leader of the, of the DA. So on the one hand, he's expected to push Helen Zilla away, but he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't think it's 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 right. You know, I must just to stop for a minute. I once asked Musi um, Mamani at a function. I, I asked him if he thought Helen Zilla was racist, and he looked at me and said, "No, she's not." But what do you want me to do? <laughs> so oh. that was telling. <laughs> you know, so so Helen Zilla is a very strong personality, and her brand impacts the DA fortunes massively I and mean, a lot of people think no you well she's back and you can't go there anymore um and whenever she said things um, maybe she says some clumsy things from time to time but i i also don't believe that she's racist i really don't think so i think that she just says things that people don't want to hear but she has an impact on the on brand da mm. which is pushing and, a lot of people away from it so yeah, the da think... needs to find a way to deal with the with the zilla factor as it were and with the fact with the suspicion that whenever uh, black leaders leave the DA, they leave because of race issues, which is not always true, perhaps. But I mean, it, it exactly ties to what you said, where that Helen Zilla has a personal brand, and then the party has their brand, and the two needs to be separated, not because of any you know wrongdoing on either side, but necessarily because there needs to be a clear identification between what does the DA stand for and what does Helen Zilla stand for, and what right. that does that for. So that's very interesting. But we've also seen um, other parties in South Africa gain extreme you know um, support or you know uh, enthusiasm about their brand. So for example, EFF and Julius Malema, you know. 
do you think that like Julius Manemo is just a marketing genius in the way that he presents himself? I and think his he is. Values? I think he's genius. Julius Malema has has got stage presence. There's no doubt about it. He he's very charismatic. He knows how to say the things that people in front of him want to hear, and he knows how to use the language that appeals most to the people in front of him. Uh, but people like those can be dangerous. And Robert Mugabe also had stage appeal. People forget that. And apparently Hitler also had stage appeal. You know, people got excited when those people stood on, on, the, on the stage. So people who like that are very dangerous because they can sell you anything. They can make you even cut your head off because it's the right thing to do for the world. <laughs> so, yeah, Julius Malema's, uh, I think the EFF without Julius Malema would not be where it's at. It's a pity that he, he lacks, he lacks um, uh, emotional intelligence. He's too angry. I think that he has... Uh, uh, too many unresolved childhood issues uh, that are making it hard for him to be potentially the leader that South Africa could, uh, would need. There's no way that with the anger that he has, he can lead a country as diverse as South Africa because this, there's no, there should never be room for winners take all. The minute you start in, in a country as painfully led in the past through division, you can't come in there and say, and put any one group up, up above any other groups. So we've got to come in here and say we all belong. We have to work together. Nonsense happened in the past, but we can't solve the problems of the past by repeating them, which is what he tries to do sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, I agree completely in the sense that he has, you know, he has his presence, which just uh, inspires confidence in terms of what he says, um, regardless necessarily of the content. I know you've mentioned in a previous article that you wrote, um, saying that, you know, he he's actually catering for the audience that's in front of him most of the time. Sometimes he is actually exactly, you know, contradicting what he said in a previous conference and another one, because he needs to cater to that specific community. And that specific community might not necessarily be related to the previous one he just talked to. But in right. that regard, what I wanted to know from you is, you know, because we've seen these examples in history, you know, you've you've mentioned a couple, like for example, Robert Mugabe, with somebody with extreme, you know, leadership ability in terms of, you know, the, the charismatic environment and so on and so forth. But it doesn't have necessarily the emotional intelligence or, you know, the lack of anger and objectivity. Do you feel like this is something that could be solved in terms of like getting, you know, these people getting popularity again and again? Is this something that could be solved through brand education or, or perhaps how could we educate people to not fall for this type of trap? I think civic education, we tend to think in South Africa that when you have a PhD, a master's degree, you can you can do many things correctly. And we've seen, for instance, through, through state capture that many people who stole from us, especially in, in Transnet, in ESCOM, SAA, SAA, those people had huge, very good, impressive quali qualifications, academic qualifications, by the elect empathy, by the elect empathy, they elect it's a sense of collective you know, uh, doing things for the for the for for the collective good. They were driven by greed and all that. So I th I think that what 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 is needed in South Africa is more civic education. People have to be taught not just how to do things so they can get a job, but how society functions. They need to to be taught that as a society, any society is an ecosystem. You know, if you if you if if we lose the balance in one part of the ecosystem, the other parts of the ecosystem get uh, get get affected. People need to understand that we also in politics we should, we shouldn't vote for political parties as if we are loyal club members. We should vote more like like chess players. You need to look at the chessboard and decide where where how where how do I make my move 
and what kind of outcome am I expecting to get from making that move? Where is the balance? Is it too much balance this side or this side? Do I move over there? We don't vote for people because we want them to become presidents the next day. Some people we vote for should never become presidents. We vote for them because we need their voices in the democratic discourse in the National Assembly. And a lot of people forget that. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's true. It's true. It's definitely true. And I feel like there's a lot of scenarios about voting that South Africans are really, you know, challenged about. They they feel like, okay, I don't want to vote for this person because he won't become president. It's like you said, it's not necessarily that he needs to become president, just his representation within our parliament may already make a big difference if you vote for the right yeah. person. I want to quickly switch over a bit to uh, corporate brands again. Uh, we had a Sega a couple of um, uh, of years ago uh, with Clicks, or rather I should actually say Tresemme, who released that, um, that divisive um, advertisement, rather. What is your opinion? on that whole situation? Was it like overreacted? Was it actually a, a very fair reaction? How do you feel about it? Well, two things. One, uh, we live in a country with a history, like all countries of history, and there are still wounds that are still festering that have not been taken care of. If you come, in, if you come into a climate like this, that's why I said one of the things that brains need is to have an understanding, a view of the environment around them. You need to know the history, you need to know the sensitivities, you can't go into a country, say Saudi Arabia, and start selling uh, wine and whiskeys or, or, or putting ads with girls in bikinis walking all over the place. You might be in trouble for that sort of thing. So when yeah. you come in a country like South Africa, you have to understand where the, where the sensitivities lie. We know that issues of representativity, however you define them, do matter in South Africa. Um, but the thing is, a lot of brands make the mistake of thinking that having a black uh, marketing manager or black CEO or black this and that is sufficient. It's not. And I've been in those environments where people think because we have the numbers, we make the quarters, it's fine. But the, num- the black people are not given the space to express mm-hmm. themselves or they are afraid to express themselves because they might lose their jobs or they're never, never taken seriously. I've been in situations where... In a team creative environment, I say something, and I'm the only black person. I get I don't get taken seriously. People over almost talk over me, you know. So so when diversity doesn't mean just picture perfect diversity, it means diversity of thought, diversity of contribution. You must allow in team in in, in teams you must allow people to say, but I don't think we should paint this wall red. Let me tell you why I don't think we should paint it. This is how people are going are most likely to respond to it if you paint it red. But if you don't allow that voice to, to express itself, somebody's going to say, you know what, I like red. They might, they might, they might as well just get, 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 get used to red. And then you paint it red, and then you end up with the kind of stuff we have, have that happened. So diversity must be functional. People, you know, of course, you need the picture perfect. You know, it's great to have a team that is Muslims, blacks, women, you know, people of different gays, lesbians, etc. The fact is, it's picture perfect, but it's also, you get views from a diversity in a team that you would never get from people who look the same, who grew up the same, who grew up in the same silo. Because the truth is, in a country like South Africa, all of us grew up in a silo. You know, white people grew up in a silo, colored people, Indian, black people. And in those silos, we say things about one another, about the others. And nobody in the, in the, within the silo corrects you. You could say, oh, black people don't know how to swim, or, or white people are racist, or colored people don't have teeth, or Indian people, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And then, but nobody, and then people around you just laugh, and you know they encourage you. And then one day you leave that silo to go and either study with or work with the people who've been saying those things again about. And then suddenly you say that thing without meaning to offend, 
But because nobody ever corrected you, never, nobody ever said it's wrong. You think, yeah, it's okay, it's the right thing to say. You say it in the wrong space and the, the pushback comes back really hard. And then you're seen as racist. You might not necessarily be racist. Not everybody who offends you means to offend you. Some people just say things that where they grew up in and were or socialized in were normal to say. I grew up, and I give you one example. I grew up in Divkluf, Soweto. And where I grew up, we, we refer to Indian people as Makuda. It's a Sutu name for Indian. There's yeah. no insult in it. It's just how you call Indians. Like you say, white people call the Hoa. And, uh, so, and then I learned when I, years later, I learned that actually they don't like to be called Makuda. It's, a, it's an insult. But I said, but come on. My yeah, first, it's just you know, a name was, from your perspective. It's just a name. They must grow up. It's just a name. But then, then I had to turn around and say, wait a minute. They don't like to be called that. I have to respect that they don't like to be called that. And I stopped calling them that because they don't like it. And then, yeah. So you have to have that sense of understanding of how it impacts on the other side. Yeah, the, 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 by interacting with people with different perspectives, you gain an understanding for what that means that you previously, whether it's unintentional or not, wouldn't have had. And in creating yeah. those environments where that happens is just leading us as a community. Because I mean, in a lot of scenarios, what happens is, is that people from a certain silo go to university or they go to a different type of educational um, environment right. that's away from their silo, and then they gain perspective, and then they go back to their homes, and then they kind of, you know, just at the very least, they 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 have a new perspective on the way to do things, and then they perhaps might say to the same scenario that happened previously, they go like, you know, those people actually don't really like to be called, you know, X name or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we should just keep that in mind next time we talk to them. And that type of understanding is something that those people might have never had before. So that's that's yeah. a, that's a very cool perspective. Um, so, anyways, so I, I want to continue. Um, can but you can help us? Say, of course. But to the point you just made, the problem is that not not each time that person returns to the silo to correct people, is it taken correctly? A lot of times the person comes out from from outside the silo to say, guys, actually this thing that we're doing here is not accepted out there. And then there's pushback in the silo. So oh, nonsense, you right. know, why are you becoming like them? We see a lot of that too. Right, yeah, no, that's true. That's very, very true, yeah. So perhaps, you know, presenting that in the proper way is actually a way to get success. Mm. Um, so I, I'm gonna continue. So. What I would like to ask you is, can you help us understand the extent of state capture and, and the seriousness of the problem that we face with our own state-owned enterprises? From your perspective, with working so many corporate environments, you know, what what is the extent of state capture and the way that we view it from people that just see it reported on the media, for example? No, it, look, it's massive. <laughs> I think uh, state capture has really weakened. And state capture, I always say state capture and other forms of corruption, not just, you know, the, the formalized, you know, state capture by Zuma, Zuma and his friends. Uh, but uh, all of that have has created, um, first of all, it weakened and repurposed a lot of our institutions. Uh, they were the institutions that were meant to do X, they were turned around to be made to do Y, to serve the interests of uh, those people. A lot of money, we know hundreds of millions, billions were, were taken out of, of these institutions, billions that could have served to strengthen these institutions to, to deliver services to the people of South Africa. But not only was it the money that was stolen, it was the confidence. I think people forget that. Um, there was a time in South Africa when people were happy to pay to pay their taxes. So many people would say, you know, maybe that's my way of giving back, as long as they believe the money was going in the right places, right? When we realized that 
not everybody was paying tax. Some some of the politically connected crook, crooks were allowed to get away with not paying tax, um, uh, and uh, and money was stolen from you know by by people connect in government politically connected to the network of thieves, uh, cartels, as it were. Some taxpayers started saying, why must I pay tax to a government that is run by thieves? And I don't blame people for thinking that way. So those who were able to take their money out of the country took their money out of the country. And those who were able to find smart ways to pay, but not to pay too much, you know, to stay within the law, but pay as little as possible, continue to do so. In other words, people started saying, why must I contribute to a to a into a pot that is abused by thieves and 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 that's going to be the hard it's not only the money that was stolen that's going to be hard to recover to be hard to recover it's also the confidence in the system the fact that people are saying i'm not paying taxes to this government anymore as i said some of those who could so the, the tax um the tax base is going to become smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where south africa which for to, almost 20 for, for more than 20 years did not want to borrow money from the IMF and the World Bank. It had to tuck its tail between its its legs and go in and and get loans from the IMF, from the World Bank, from the New Development Bank that's controlled by the BRICS. So basically, you are at the back back and call of China. So we're not we, we can't stand and 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 call the shots anymore because we are owing so much money to so many people who are now going to determine how we do things. State capture. The impact of it is going to be massive. The fact that we can't pay, uh, contribute sufficiently to education, to tertiary and other levels of education, but the money we see, we still see money going to to, to Cuba. I mean, we've yeah. got amazing engineers in South Africa. We've got people who are trained in our medical institutions in South Africa. But the the government run by the NC still sees it fit to yeah. apparently. We don't know if all that money goes to Cuba, but we know that they pay hundreds of millions of friends to the government of, of Cuba. For what? For what? Mm. You know, so so all of those things take away the confidence in the system and it's going to be really, really hard to recover. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people that enabled for us to, because I mean, I, I agree completely, you know, the confidence has definitely been shattered to a large degree, but for us to get to the point where we even knew that this was happening required a lot of brave people to speak up against, you know, odds that possibly weren't stacked against them in their personal environment. So right. in this case, the, the whistleblowers were integral to us understanding there's an issue to actually be able to start to fix it, at least in my opinion, you know, but do you feel that our, our our media is independent enough in terms of being able to allow this in South Africa? Or do you believe that gen in general whistleblowers are safe to deliver their opinion? Because I mean, we've seen international examples of so-called development companies, uh, sorry, countries rather, that are extremely aggressive against whistleblowers. Um, so, you know, is, is that a scenario which is conducive in South Africa? Well, two things. One, um, I, I don't like any discussion that lumps all the media in the same basket because okay. the media the media is not as homogenous as many would like to believe though there are awesome good people in the media there are also ropes in the media i mean if you look at the independent media now under under where you know the media that was controlled by the guptas it was very clearly and openly uh, aligned to a political faction in south africa which made them tell lies all the time, but there are people who believe it, right? But there are also awesome investigative journalists in South Africa and other media who are independent and who are unafraid to say what needs to be said, irrespective of who's standing before them. I think we should, 
we should acknowledge those people and thank them and, and encourage them to continue to doing to do right. Those people who do wrong, who are, who, who are aligned, who manipulate, who allow themselves to be to a manipulators at the behest of their handlers, those should be outed and they should be exposed for what they are. Um, in terms of whistleblowers, and look, a lot of the stuff that we've seen in the media was given to the media by whistleblowers. We don't have sufficient protections for whistleblowers in South Africa. There's no doubt about it. More needs to be done. Those are the heroes and heroines of post-apartheid South Africa. All right. If the, if you have to erect any 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 uh, 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 statues. monuments and statues, we should be celebrating um, whistleblowers. Many of them, and I have known many, and I've helped privately many people, not financially, I'm not a rich guy, <laughs> but in, you know, advice. Yes, whistleblowers who, many of whom are not able to find jobs, they are untouchable, not because they did wrong, but either they either refuse to do wrong or they expose wrong. I know people, even from SAA, who know exactly what happened, okay? They have not been to the Zona Commission, they will not be called to the, because they don't want to be exposed, they're they they are pinned where they're, they're hiding. They prefer to stay away from it all, but they know exactly what happened in some of these institutions. They know where the money went, okay? And 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 they're not able to do, that, do so because the, the, the country has seen, they've been turned into the monsters, into the bad guys, and they're not the bad guys. So we need more protections, more recognition for, no, for I mean, these people. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And you just, you see that the few people that came forward with something that was so incredibly widespread as the state capture, you know, problem, you would definitely think that more people than the people that are testifying have experiences and knowledge about this, yeah. but they're just too afraid to come forward. But I also really like the perspective that you put forward in terms of like saying, no, we should stop saying that the media is this big, bad concept, yeah. but rather that there's there's definitely a lot of bad apples in a scenario and the bad apples should be treated accordingly. I mean, I know, for example, that you've written um, a lot of pieces, for example, for the um, financial uh, finance 24 for example where you talked about a lot of the issues that we we discussed today uh, in more yeah. detail we'll link those in the description but in those scenarios those are journalists that are allowing you to put on their platform a perspective on this type of thing and that's an environment which you frankly should encourage and reward uh, from yeah. a journalist and especially a page that is as influential as news 24 um, in terms of re regarding that um, so I know that especially in in the writing that I've now mentioned on you know finance 24 and um, Biz community and so on and so forth you You've lamented about the lack of leaders in South Africa. So, so we've we've chatted on this podcast with a couple of you know entrepreneurial leaders, economic leaders, political leaders. Um, but in terms of the lack of political leaders in South Africa, sorry, the lack of leaders in South Africa, why do you think this is the case? And and what what where is this area that there's the lack of leaders in South Africa that you mentioned? I mean, are we governed by individuals who fail to take a responsibility or leadership, or is it just that there in general aren't people that's stepping up to the plate? Well, maybe because we don't. We haven't agreed on what it means to be a leader <laughs> in the okay. first place, you know, and that's a problem. So people think that uh, when you appoint me a leader of a team, by, by the, them I'm therefore a leader. But what does it really mean to be a leader? So there's there's a difference between being designated a leader and being a leader. You know, a leader is somebody who knows that it's not about him or her, and they don't bring, as I said, they they are emotionally mature. They they they, they know that they succeed because the people around them succeed. So if, if I appoint a, a better creative in my team, appoint a, a finance person, I must trust that they bring a skill that needs to be given space to thrive, to be what it must be. So I'm, of course, assuming that we're all ethical people. We know that we're there for the goodness 
because you you can the, the the error where it's all about you whether you're a company an individual should be gone impact is important what kind of impact do you want to leave behind as a brand as a leader you know what what do you mean what, what kind of legacy do you want to to leave behind how do you grow other people or how do you create opportunities for other people to realize their potential that's it it, it must be about that when you lead a country like south africa you must always remember the painful past that we come from and and as a leader of South Africa, like Ramaphosa is today, he's been given an opportunity to move this country as far away from that painful past as possible and as closer as possible possible to the ideal, to the that Nelson Mandela spoke about, right? To the to the vision, to the the realization of a South Africa where your skin color doesn't matter anymore, where it what matters is the your character and your contribution, what you really do for the common good. But we're not there yet. So in South Africa, we put people in leadership positions because they have PhDs or master's degrees, but they have no sense of history. They have no sense of their own impact on the on on or the impact of what they do and what they say on their surroundings, on the people around. Them. And that's a problem. So what is leadership? Really? Maybe we have to have that conversation. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good conversation. I think it's the most important one to have with an extremely diverse number of people because the diversity of the people that you're going to imagine in South Africa are going to be the people that are going to be led by these leaders. So perhaps building that that perspective, that that um, good definition is the first step. I really, really like that perspective because it, it, takes, it takes it back. Instead of like just talking about something, you have to think about what you're going to talk about. So that's very important as well. Um, I'm in the fortunate position where I have, you know, have a lot of contact with people that are international and there's there's a definite there's a definite perspective on South Africa, you know, and 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 what's happening here that sometimes I have to tell them is just blatantly not true, <laughs> in a lot of cases, you know. But in some cases, that I understand that the, the experience that they have is comes from a place of um, concern and and of the news that they get. But just in the same way that we don't get all the news from a different country, you know, you know, even our neighboring countries, we don't see all the news that their president says, or we don't see you know all the all the events that happens there. Internationally, people also don't see our development and the way that we're South Africa maybe moving to a more positive scenario. What do you think South Africa can actively do to change our global brand? And what way can we reach out to international communities and change these perspectives that they have about us and perhaps give them an insight to how things really are going? Because I mean, well, I know that not everyone is interested in knowing what's going on here, for example. Uh, we can't do it by spin. You see, the thing is, when you led by the wrong people who have so much to hide, whose motives are not motives that are good for the country, it's very hard to even start saying, let's present a certain image of the country out there, you know, because what kind of image are you going to, to present out there? I, I used to work for for, for, for the for South African tourism in Canada and in the USA. I was country manager there in the USA. I was a marketing manager in, 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 in Canada. And my role was to it wasn't just marketing, it was explaining, educating people about South Africa. And I was very proud to do that. I did it with, it came from, from the core, but, but I don't like spin. So if you, if you ask me about stuff about South Africa that's happening that I never thought would happen, I can't lie about that. I, I can't say it's not happening if it's happening. All right. So we need leadership. Again, it goes back to your first question about what kind of leaders do you want? What kind of leader must Ramaphosa be? Okay. When Ramaphosa must be the kind of leader who's able to say, no, that's not acceptable. When something 
happens even in his party anywhere in South Africa. When a leader of the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal or Mpumana steals, Ramaphosa must be the first one to say, that's not acceptable. We can't have that. By doing that, he's already sending a message because, you know, the global media is watching all the time. We've got representatives of global media platforms in South Africa. We've got diplomats. We've got company uh, CEOs who are from, from multinationals. All those people write country reports. People don't know this. Diplomats send country reports about South Africa all the time. Media people, social media is. So we, we don't need to spin. We don't need program. We just need to act as a country in a way that makes everybody else proud. People will... Newspaper articles will appear all over the world. Say, so, "Wow, this is what they do in South Africa." But right now, the things that we do do not even allow us to package a, a sweet message about South Africa. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, when Team South Africa went to Davos two years ago, we couldn't go last year because of COVID. Of course, in 2019, when they went, they were hit hard, very hard, by by Richard, uh, uh, Richard Quest from from CNN. They were in an interview with Bruce Whitfield. Uh, Bruce uh, Whitfield, yeah. And it was true. He said, but you guys come here to Davos to do what? What story do you have to sell? You can't come here with your fancy scarves and say, come and invest in South Africa with everything that's going on in your country. You can't lie about these things. So to, to change the global image of South Africa, we just have to change the way we do things. And everything will, will, fall, in, will fall in its place. And we'll find our representatives, for, whether they're from the brand South Africa, Tourism South Africa, Invest South Africa, or diplomats standing in front of audiences around the world. And when they speak, they won't have to lie. It will, it will just ooze out of them. But we don't. Mm. We have no story to tell now because we don't have the leadership we need. That's a problem. Yeah, but that, that's a great perspective because I mean, there's so many environments where the story of South Africa is actually told informally. Like you can't you can't have a you know an ad campaign about South Africa and then that solves the whole perspective. Most of the no. story is told informally on social media, on you know family interactions, international you know you know tourists that come by. So creating an environment where there is something positive to talk about, like you said, is actually the yeah. the most successful step. And no, do you feel this just... way? Sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, compare a country to a company. So if you run a company and management is really mean and the, the employees are treated badly, and then you go out there, you, you put posters to say we are, we are the best employer, mm -hmm. our employees are happy, guess who's going to be the first one to say that's not true. That's not what we see inside. The same thing happens with the, com with the country. The, the government can't spin, can't go around the world saying we are great, now we're fighting corruption, we're doing everything. Well, nothing is happening here. Nobody has been arrested. Zuma is still out there. Even the constitutional court seems to be afraid of Zuma. So you can't spin these things. We, we have to be truthful about what we stand for, and we have to be clear about how we, what we do when what we don't want to see happen, happen. And, but in South Africa, we're not there, and that's the problem. So, so and we, we have... In South Africa, South Africa is very lucky, like many countries, I suppose. We have many South Africans living in the vast diaspora around the world. Those people are potential good ambassador of the, of ambassadors of this country. But we have to give them a reason to stand up and say, please support that country. That's my country. I love that country. It's, we, we don't. Actually, a lot of what we have in, what's happening in South Africa is making them feel ashamed mm. to be South African. Because this is not a South Africa. Actually, many of them left because this country was suddenly becoming a monster they couldn't recognize anymore. So they can't even stand and support those people that we pay to market this country in the countries where they've gone to live.
Mm. No, I mean, this is true. I, I'm, I'm personally know a couple of those people. And, you know, across the board, I have to say that most South Africans that I have talked about that are abroad, uh, talked with rather that are abroad or that I've met abroad, they're intensely passionate about South Africa. They love South Africa as a country, but they're extremely negative about the, the problems that are here. And that's kind of like a contradicting message that I think a lot of people actually find confusing. It's like, how can you be this patriotic and love your country? And yet at the same time, you say, oh, I don't want to live there. It's terrible. It's terrible. You know, it's, it's a mixture of, of a scenario. But anyways, that, that was that was great to, to get that as well from you. I know there's something else you wanted to add uh, before we end off the interview if there's something else you wanted to say or plug well i mean i mean i'm glad that we spoke we spent a lot of time talking about leadership i think the leadership is where it starts and and, and of course people have been have been saying correctly what happens if something were to happen to ramaphosa god forbids you know uh there's nobody else if i mean this is assuming that everything remains the same that is the, the anc remain remains a powerful force in south africa who is going to take over? There is not a single person in the ANC who is who, whom we can trust to hold this country together. People must realize that no matter how how angry you are, how much you scream, if you want to lead South Africa, you have to first acknowledge that we are a diverse country, will always be a diverse country, and no South African child must be left behind, irrespective of their skin color. No, we must build people. We mustn't push them out of the country and expect to be proud of them when they, when they become the Elon Musks and other big people, mm. the Sharon, uh, you know, the actors out there. We must build them here so that when they leave, they go out there with a positive image of South Africa. But we need leadership for that. We, we don't have a leader. We haven't had a leader like Mandela. No matter, no matter what we think about Mandela, Mandela knew how to lead a diverse country. We've never had a leader who knows how to lead a diverse country, who doesn't speak ill against anybody of us, but who will speak against ill against individuals, irrespective of what those individuals do. That's what we need. No, I agree completely. I mean, it's, it's just like you said, we have these people that go internationally and they're most known for the fact that they don't really like South Africa. So, you know, that's an environment where we need to create these people that go outside and they're positive about it. So thank you so much for sharing that message. I just want to say thank you so much. It's been a very, very, very interesting discussion. I think we okay. talked about some thank really you. interesting I topics. Too. Yeah. Right. And for our viewers that, you know, have made it thus far, if, if you've made it thus far in the video, you've most definitely liked at least, you know, a part of the discussion or found at least interesting. If you want to share the perspective that uh, Solly shared with us today with, you know, friends and family, by all means, please like and share this video. It helps out not only the channel, but of course, sharing more perspectives across the world. Um, but for now, thank you so much for watching. This has been Worldview.